0: Please welcome. Please welcome. Welcome. This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now, here's your host, Ed Maisogland.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Defenders of Business Value Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Misogland. And today, I got a great episode. Jeff Beavis. Jeff is the chief operating officer at uh Caring Senior Service franchise and this is a home care franchise, you know. So when like in my case, you know, we have, you know, my mother-in-law is is getting up in age and she's probably going to require uh, you know some additional services that that from from where I'm at, 3 and a half, 3 hours away, it's just hard to do. And so the so these these this franchise comes along and they augment you know home care services that uh, family members would typically provide and so one of the things that you know one of the things that i'm really excited about and is is jeff as a person cuz jeff is probably one of the most transparent and and information sharing people that that i've had on the podcast he talks about market multiples like it's no big deal he talks about you know, where, where this industry is going, like it's no big deal. And, and at the end of the day, you know, he is looking at, you know, how to further serve the people that have entrusted him. And so I'm certain if you've ever considered the home care world, this episode's for you because it is absolutely dynamite. So like I said, I'm certain you'll enjoy my conversation with Jeff Beavis from Caring Senior Service. Well welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks, Ed. I appreciate being here. Well, it's great to have you. I've I've been looking forward to this for a while. You know, um you know 38 years in the franchise world, you don't get you you don't get this kind of uh horsepower on a podcast like this very <laughs> often. So I'm I'm glad you're on and and uh I, I I the worst part of about about my podcast is the is the introductions. I it, I I before before you come on i I do my introduction and but I just don't think it ever does the guest any good so i, I <laughs> hate to, I hate to ask you, but can you talk a little bit about you know just kind of your 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 journey into in into this space and and then you know uh, carrying senior service sure, absolutely. <clears throat> well, I've been in the home care franchise space for the last
0: 21 years. Thirty-eight years total in franchising, um, seven brands across five industries. But home care, to me, Ed, was like the best of both worlds—to marry the franchise entrepreneurial um, aspect to it and really help aspiring entrepreneurs. But then to be able to serve seniors and the disabled and a very vulnerable population, and having those two combined now has um, just been been the best possible
1: scenario from my standpoint well it, the funny thing is when you do when you do research for a podcast you know the the funny thing is you you never know what you're going to hear about people and and the funny thing about you is no one can say anything bad about you i i'm i went high and low and and you're salt of the earth salt of the <laughs> earth guy so <laughs> well so I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you're on and i'm glad you're my guest and and the the first question i had for you is kind of the state of the industry because you know covid covid was kind of crazy in in mm-hmm. in your world um you know so so I guess you know where where did you come from and where are we now and where are we going absolutely
0: so and covid no disrespect intended of course um actually put a spotlight on the home care industry in a very positive way yeah um so we've seen. Tremendous lift as an industry coming out of COVID because of that. Um, the industry was growing uh, the last twenty years; it's grown dramatically. The demographic said, and and multiple forces are all showing actually almost a doubling of the industry in the next twenty years, which is hard to imagine having seen it literally in this this past twenty years. But um, with the spotlight on home care now, is really the place that people want to stay, as well as healthcare professionals seeing this is the low cost, um, really focus area for patients, clients, non-medical and medical. Uh, it's, it's a great industry, a lot of moving parts. Uh, it's not without its challenges, but uh, a lot of opportunity.
1: Well, the, the biggest complaint that, that I have heard has to do with the barriers to entry then it, you know what, you, you can just set up shop and you're in business and, mm-hmm. and like my industry, the best thing that could happen is, is some regulatory body overseeing this and, and keeping the riffraff off to the side.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: and that's, that's kind of where my question is, is, is the differentiation, you know, how, how does someone know to, to, you know, what, you know, what's the, what's a rep, you know, you can go to better, better Business Bureau and things like that. I right. recognize that. My question it has to do with, you know, can – where's the signal from the noise? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. So there is there is low licensure, but there is state licensure in 34 of the 50 states. Okay. And and that is a positive. So to your point, to your question, I think increasing licensure in, – in 2003, when I came to this industry, yeah, there were six states. They wow. had licensed. So it's gone from six to thirty four in twenty nice. years. It will eventually be at fifty. Uh-huh. Um, so the licensure is one positive force to at least create a barrier of entry, at least at least establish kind of a service level and to yeah. try to drop that riff raff under the table, you know, out of the market. The reality is, because of the demographics and the overall demand, um, I think even with licensure in fifty states, we're still gonna always have the private individual caregiver out there that doesn't have to be
1: License. Yeah. So with the franchise, is the license with the franchise or is the license with the franchisee or both?
0: Yeah, it's actually both. So the license is a state license granted to the franchisee and they have to provide their franchise agreement as a backup with their application. I got it.
1: So um like when you're valuing when you and, and I'm I'm gonna jump around here, but when like when you when you see see a franchise and and it could be you know franchises in general, but mm-hmm. but from from the home care space, you know how, where where are the value drivers? What what creates value in this business? Because it just seems you know you have we're going to talk about recurring revenue coming up, but but there has to be more to it than just having the contract for the client,
0: right? Yes, yes, yeah, it's There's definitely infrastructure there. You know our multiples are running three and a half. To four times earnings as an industry average. Clean financials, solid three, five years plus operating history can get you in the seven, eight, nine times earnings range. Um, so so the multiples are are definitely solid. The infrastructure pieces, really like any other franchise business set, are are the main drivers. So, you know, are their systems, processes, the team, not the owners per se, obviously, because you don't ever want to buy a business and then the owner walks away and the business is right. is zero right but it's it's the team it's it's the people and in our business as you you know well, that labor challenge with the caregiver and the staff uh is the biggest biggest driver right now
1: yeah so how do you reta- how do you retain retain those types of people because again we've we've you know i've talked to so many home care businesses where You know, the biggest complaint is someone will jump ship for a quarter an hour and, and that's hard. And, you know, so, so how do you, how do you make those, those clients or those clients, those employees sticky?
0: Yeah, there's, that is, that is the absolute challenge to us. I will make a point though, that we have a retention issue in this industry. We don't have a turnover issue. In other words, we don't have a recruiting issue. We have a retention issue. Okay. Caregiver turnover rate per the industry, there's what's called the Home Care Pulse Benchmarking Report comes out every year. Last year was 77.1% was the caregiver oh. turnover number. That's that's fast food-like. Yeah. Um, but it's really a, a question of, to your, to your point about someone jumping for a quarter more per hour, it's really not pay. When we survey caregivers as an industry or as a brand you're caring. Pay is fourth or fifth down the list. Really? They want, what's the, what's they, the,
1: the one,
0: two, three? Number one is they want flexibility of schedule. Number okay. two, they want appreciation, loyalty, and to be valued. Number three is they want training and professional
1: development. And number four is pay. Wow. I've, not in a million years would I have thought that. Yeah. So, okay. I, but it makes sense. So then
0: what what that leads to is the brands that do a good job of Basically investing in their people, developing their people, showing a career path <clears throat> showing that that uh, training and professional development that they 're the ones that have that stickiness and they keep the caregivers so they have a higher retention rate a lower turnover rate wow i i
1: wouldn't have i, I wouldn't have thought i i wouldn't have thought that i one of, one of the other the other reasons that um that i have heard had more to do with the client interaction that some of these people are just brutal to work with. And it's like, you know what, what do you, now, sorry for your situation, but why are you taking it out on me kind of thing? But, but the business owner is locked in because, you know, that's revenue, you know, and we got to kind of figure out how, how we're going to make this work. So good.
0: Yes. Very, very true. Although, I will – and again, no disrespect intended to our clients because you know, we're here to serve, but it's okay to fire a client yeah. because our number one asset, head is the caregiver or those actual people. And if I've got a client that is berating or mistreating a caregiver, um, then I need to make a decision because otherwise I'm going to lose that caregiver who could be somebody that serves multiple clients. Yeah. I get it.
1: You earlier you had mentioned earnings. You had three you had three to four times earnings and can get as high as seven to to nine under special, like real special circumstances. Mm-hmm. when you do, when you say earnings, define that for me. That's basically EBITDA. Okay. But but not officer's compensation. Or is it No. So true EBITDA. I get it. Yes. But, that would be in addition. Yeah. Obviously. Um so is is that up or even like, you know, I've, I've been following, I've been following multiples at, you know, the, the sub $10 million revenue mm-hmm. space for a long time. And it just doesn't seem like there's that much volatility. It, it, true or false in, in, in your, in, in your business, that it stays fairly consistent. I would say true. Um, It's,
0: it's been in that, call it, Two and a half to four range gosh the <laughs> last
1: eight or ten years I get it and and are you seeing you know and this is franchise specific uh, are you seeing a lot of interest in people coming you know investigating this type of franchise i I know the answer is yes, but my 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 question is who are the who are the people that are coming and looking because it seems that it it's different. Like you know, you've been in it 38 years, I'm thirty-one, and I'm sitting here going, Wow, the 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 avatars in the landscape of the business buyers are nowhere what they used to be. So I would agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really changed a lot. And and it seems like a lot of that change has occurred post pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think COVID has caused some of that, but yeah, so we're seeing still some of that second career, early retiree, especially now with the the economy being a little bit more shaky, you know, folks coming out, getting a package, downsizing, some of that. But I would say the majority are in two new different camps. One is the much younger entrepreneur, a 20-something, 30-something, who um, maybe has had some quick success in the first six, eight, 10 years of their career, and really wants almost like a a work-life balance shift to being their own boss, you know, mm-hmm. controlling their own destiny, but really doing something that has a uh, a purpose. So that's one group that I that we see really on the rise. The other group is quite honestly private equity really? and pure financial buyers, and this poses for both franchisors and franchisees. But uh, the last two three years, we've had continual stream of private equity buyers, small. To mid size, that are looking to almost like roll up multiple yeah. franchises in a given brand. Now, some of them have not understood the fact that, you know, I can't buy um, a caring senior service in a home instead and a ride at home because I have that non compete right. limitation. Right. But that that's what they think they want to do. Um, so they end up so- going into an individual brand and yeah. trying to buy multiple. Both yeah. startup territories
1: as well as existing, and so they don't. It surprises me with private equity because I I would assume that the the cost associated with the ongoing fees of a franchise would would create you know some friction, especially with their management fees and all the other things that they bake into you know the 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 acquisition. So that's interesting, but I I can totally see from you know my experience with private equity and and their use of, you know, system systematizing so many things and just you know coming up with ways to to add, you know, add gas to a a great operating system. Mm-hmm. It seems it seems uh, you know counterintuitive, but but you're the one seeing it.
0: <laughs> well, it's it it has been a little surprising too. I think the appetite there is still more in in kind of the. The higher end, larger end of this, of our home care industry, meaning, you know, I was talking to a gentleman last week who said, I really want somebody in the one and a half million to five million EBITDA range. Well, there aren't a lot of franchises, at least in the first mm-hmm. couple of years, that are in that range. Now, there are folks out there because yeah. this industry has had such a high growth industry. But so they're taking kind of a needle in the haystack, very, very highly targeted approach to try to find those high EBITDA. Um, yeah, opportunities.
1: So, do does the franchise, you know, I I know most of them bake in, you know, the first rider refusal. And I mean, do you guys, with what you are seeing on on the horizon, especially you know industry consolidation and things like that, I mean, are in your space are 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 you exercising often, or you know, and turning them into corporate corporate operations?
0: And we've, we've done a little, little bit of it here at Caring Ed historically because we have five corporate operations now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that infrastructure base. As a rule, I would say we we most of the time have not exercised it. Yeah. Um, it's really been more if there have been extreme circumstances, owner health,
1: death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, those I types of things. So when when you – um like for the younger ones, the younger – buyer pool that, that you mentioned, you know, I, I do some teaching over at Butler university and, and, you know, the entrepreneurship through acquisition, I mean, that's a, that's a thriving area. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm sitting here, you know, and, you know, I've got kids that are getting to be close to this age and I'm, and, and I see them as kids and I'm like, now how in the world are you going to come in <laughs> and, and coach and lead and so on and so forth? But I could totally see why a franchise might make the most sense because you, you, you know, you are able, you have that backstop of the process more so than the personality of the owner, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Or the or, yes. the, or the, the, um, you know, the, 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 the competency of the owner and the, the <laughs> two of you can learn together. I mean, is that, is that what you see too?
0: We do. We do. And, and it's a little bit of um, a little bit of maybe kind of stemming their enthusiasm and you may have, seen with some (laughs) of your butler classes where it's almost like they come in and they think they have all the answers and uh and they're a little bit there's a a learning curve for them to understand okay i don't have all the answers that my original concepts are a little bit too idealistic the real world is really more like over here and that's where the franchisor is going to really help me yeah so i think as long as we kind of reach that point in the middle
1: then it works well well from from a financing standpoint, does the SBA? Yeah, do you have any preferred folks that you work with as far as that that get get you guys financed? We we work uh, quite a bit with Guidance. Okay, so so the four hundred one k you're using the four hundred one k money. Yes. Well, and and the reason I bring I, I bring that up is you know anymore the acquisition. You know, you're only required to put 10% money or 10% of your own equity in to buy, you know, to acquire a business. And you know, as a taxpayer, it makes me kind of cringe. As a deal guy, thumbs up, man. (laughs) Just keep rocking. But the 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 thing, and and I only bring that up for two reasons. One, that that the barrier, the financial barrier to entry into a business is is lower, and (laughs) Having the backstop of a the seller and b the franchise seems to make oh my gosh, it makes so much sense for someone to to buy in but the other side and and I don't know if you saw this you know the SBA has two you know two programs out now where it has you know if you're buying like one say one franchise wants to buy another franchise there's no money from the buy from the buyer that's required. <laughs> and they can buy an existing franchise as long as you're in the same NAICS code for for no no money it's uh, assuming you have a decent balance sheet right. so that's a that's a big thing as far as from from my standpoint to <clears throat> share with you is that your franchisees could be growing through acquisition fairly i don't want to say easily but you know they're already in the system so uh, it, Something to consider, and then the second thing that they just came out last Wednesday—it's uh, effective November fifteenth—is partial ownership buys. Mm-hmm. So you know, before they they were requiring almost like an ESOP, where the the business owner is required to personally guarantee the debt of the buyer. So they default, they you know, There's recourse to the to the selling partner. And but now it's, now they can stay with the business. They can take the chips off the table. So, you know, for those uh, those um, franchisees that are, you know, considering considering selling, or you know, they're at that age, or they have a partner, or they're looking at retention, or they're looking at all kinds of you know reasons why you would want to sell a fractional interest to your business.
0: Mm-hmm. This is
1: a it's a good time to be doing that too.
0: So yeah, definitely. Definitely creates more of an interim step if one doesn't want to exit completely. It's yeah. kind of a first step to take out of the business, but still, still kind of stay involved. You're
1: right. So, how does the the key employees? I mean, what's the trajectory of of a staff person? You know that it, yeah, you know, because I get a lot of questions about how do I take my key employee, make them even, you know, not only sticky but also perhaps my succession plan. So Mm -hmm. are are you seeing any, you know, here's how you identify this person.
0: Yes, we actually have a a program here that we have introduced in the last year called Manage to Own. Nice. You know, we've seen that in past franchise industries before um, that really attacks exactly what you're talking about. So it takes your, in our, our world, an agency director, kind of general manager, that runs each of these businesses on a day-to-day basis, he or she, the normal normal progression for them is to earn equity or to um, obtain equity and become at least a partial minority owner, like you said, could even be an exit strategy to the, the current owner and help that current owner exit completely three, five
1: years down the road. Wow. I, do, do many franchises have that? I don't think they do.
0: Um, you know, I, I mean, I've, I've been doing it in all five industries that yeah. I have that have been in over the years, I, I first started you know in, in truck rental and car rental with thrifty with budget truck rental <laughs> yeah. and thrifty car rental, and we had it back then, Ed. So yeah, I've really? always seen that as being a real appeal. You know, it's it's not not going to be a massive feeder to you per sure. year, but if you have a really good solid managed to own program, you should be able to do six, eight, ten awards a year.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I'm. Uh, the reason I share that or ask that has more to do with normally when people show up at my doorstep saying they want to sell, you know, they haven't turned around and looked at who might be their candidate within their four walls. Yes. And it just surprises me that if you, if, if your franchise is worth the salt, that you would be, you would have, you yeah. know, but uh, you would know about this program to, you know, to, to signal that this is, this may be a candidate. So that's really interesting.
0: Um, Yeah. That's kind of back to what I was mentioning before too, Um, even on the caregiver side, it applies to staff. So, you know, agency directors, care managers, marketers, the other kind of management side of each of the home care businesses, they want that same thing. They want professional development. They want training, they want career progression. So, We're using manage to own on the front end, recruiting those staff management positions. So they know, Hey, in two, three, five years, that's what I want to be, to be a a part of.
1: You know, it's it. And, and granted, I'm, 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 this is going to sound weird, but I don't, I don't mean it to. (laughs) So, so a lot of franchises that the customer tends to end up being the franchisee all right, that, mm. that that they they tend to be the buyer now granted I'm not you know the 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 person you're serving i'm I'm not referring to them, but I will say probably a a family member or somebody you know it, do you see that i mean what, oh you yes. start interesting yes yes in fact
0: that's it's it's a great great point so about ten twelve years ago, this industry shifted <clears throat> to where the senior the end client Mm-hmm. Um, who was the decision-maker, we saw a major shift to the adult child. So it's the son, the daughter, yeah. who really is the true decision-maker now and it has right. been for the last eight or 10 years. Well, to your point, more and more now, it's like the adult child found found you know, caring senior service to care for their mother or father. And then in doing so, they realized, oh, my gosh, this is a whole industry. There's a whole business here. And then it yeah. it does pick up the appeal. I think I looked uh, a couple of weeks ago. Ninety eight percent of our current owners were initially a client. Wow. Yeah. So it's a big number. It, it
1: it's a big big draw. Well, d- but do the do the franchisees know that? <laughs> I mean that that you know what you may you may want to do a great job because that person may be your exit out of the business down the road. Yeah. Do they know I, that
0: or not? Yeah, I I would say it's. It's kind of a a mix. Um, Part of our introducing this program in the last year was really helping educate that exact point that, look, you know, if you're thinking of your exit, the first two questions I ask them are, what does your buyer look like? So let's Mm -hmm. at least understand what that profile looks like of who they're looking for. And then the second question is, have you talked to your existing staff? The the existing staff may either know someone like that or
1: they may raise their hand yeah, themselves. interesting. So so you got your staff, you've got the the clientele you're serving as potential buyer pool and then then you then you broaden to the the planet. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So recurring revenue. This is I mean that's why everybody wants your business. Is that it's it's driven by recurring revenue. Is that true or not? I mean, I know partially it is. You know, you know, because you, you, you have an engagement and, and you're yes. serving on a regular basis. But is that really what drives the value? I would say it's one of, one of the key factors.
0: Okay. And the, you know, the short answer is yes, but. So, you know, we, we serve clients on an hourly basis, typically a two-, four-, six-hour minimum, all the way up to and including 24-7 care providing for care around the clock and everything in between. The average client takes 24 hours of care per per week. Um, and we'll have clients, Ed, for, you know, one or two weeks and sometimes one or two days if they're in, in bad, bad shape.
1: Yeah.
0: But the average client right now is sitting at nine and a half months is how long we, we take oh, care right. of them. And a lot of people start at six, eight, 10, 20 hours a week and then become, as their conditions sure. worsen, 60 80 90 100 hour per week clients so it is recurring revenue um I do have those quick in and out clients mm-hmm. but that's that's just part of part of the fun part of the challenge and a lot of those quick in and out clients come back and become a more permanent or longer
1: longer term yeah. client too so it's it's funny because i shouldn't say it's funny but you know, when when i ha- you know, and this is years ago when my, when my mother was, was deteriorating, I, I, I reverse mortgaged her house. And Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I, you know, whatever I needed to do to keep her in that house was what was going to happen. And, and, and I was going to, you know, and my sister and I were a little bit sideways because she's like, well, she can get better care. She can get better care, you know, with a, in a facility. I'm like, you know, I will burn through every nickel to to make sure she's here and yeah and 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 granted i i and I did a pretty good job of it, but at the same time, you know that's everybody wants to no one wants who who wants to go to a facility if you don't have to go um yes so and i and as you as we see the baby boomers continue, I would imagine that it's going to to only amplify that this industry so So how do you grow? I mean, I know you got, I mean, I've known you for a long time and, and, you know, good operation, anything that you're associated with is a good, good place to hang out. So, so how are you growing and where? Yeah, we're, we're
0: growing um, really in a number of different markets, a number of different ways. So our internal growth through existing franchise owners who are who are buying or, or securing a second third fourth territory um, we're definitely growing through um, outside or organic sources uh, we're big believers and support the veteran community um, so we we do market heavily to veterans and their and their spouses um, we also market heavily to the industry uh, as in the home care industry and based on managers because there are a lot of managers in operating businesses right now that have the aspiration to own their own as well. So it's kind of that managed to own that we have internally, but also managed to own externally too. And then lastly, we're targeting specific occupations uh, like physical therapists, occupational therapists, um, because we already have several of those Mm -hmm. that are existing, very successful franchisees.
1: So when, when someone looks to buy something like this, what, I mean, two things on, on the left side of the T chart, you know, what are, what are the, what are the dry, the, and I, we talked about recurring revenue, but what makes, what makes the business a good target, you know, and, and, and earnings are the obvious one. And then on the other side is what are the red flags that that a normal due diligence doesn't shake out. Sure.
0: So I think on the on the left side, you have as diverse of a referral source base as possible.
1: Okay.
0: So meaning if everybody or if they have a lot of their business in, is a Medicaid state waiver or one or two key referral source buckets, that's a limitation, Um you really want a very diverse referral source base so that you're getting clients from a lot of different uh, original, original sources. The team, the longevity of the team, um, the aspirations of the team, uh, you know, kind of the, the current state of the management team, I think is a big, is a big plus. Um, also, measuring that caregiver retention number is a key. Yeah. So you've got some operational pieces, operational or people. Pieces I think that are uh, big uh, factors in addition to the earnings on the red flag side. It's almost the op- you know, the opposite of what the points I just said. So if you mm-hmm. only have a few referral source buckets, if your caregiver retention number is is very low and the turnover number is high, um, if you haven't seen aggressive marketing, and of course the metrics need to be in place to to back up everything yeah. that the seller is actually
1: telling you. So when you I I where I was going with this, I wanted to know from a working capital standpoint. I mean, is this an, is this a difficult business to fund? I mean, you know, is the the, the time you you have a client, you, <laughs> you perform the service, there's a there's there's billing. Is it done on a weekly basis or a monthly basis? so weekly, so you don't have the cash flow challenges. Right, right.
0: So yeah, so I think that the short answer is it's not a difficult business to really fund in our new franchise is 116 to 176,000 is the working yeah. capital range item seven, the existing business um, are as a model at caring, we bill every two weeks. Okay. Um, and we are predominantly private pay about 72% private pay, the other 28% comes from third party payers like long term care insurance, or mm-hmm. one of the different VA programs primarily. Um, so the key there too is from an AR standpoint. You really don't have, especially if you have heavy private pay. The AR is almost zero.
1: Okay. So since I'm coming to the end of all of my questions, I, I, one of the things that I, I, I've asked. So you're, I think, episode one hundred five, one hundred six. And I, I've asked this since the beginning is if you had one piece of advice that you would give business owners that would have the most immediate impact on their on their business value and saleability, what would it be? Because mm. you've seen a l you've seen a lot of them. Yeah. I, I would say far and
0: away, Ed, um make a stronger, higher, deeper reinvestment in your people. Interesting. Okay. I, I see That's a lot good. of owners that almost try to systematize things and don't really maintain a high human aspect. And, you know, if that, that team is not there, uh, and then when the owner exits, that buyer has very little really to back everything up.
1: Nice. That's a good one. So what's the best way we can connect
0: with you? Well, my email is jbevis, B-E-V-I-S, at caringinc.com. So it's i n c. Um certainly welcome folks to go to our yeah. website anytime and uh always enjoy speaking with potential buyers or folks that are even contemplating the industry just to try to help them
1: better understand how it works you know what the and and I'm glad you said that because what the listeners don't know is just how generous you are with with information and with no strings attached, and that that to me is you know that. That's why you got a thirty-eight career in the franchise world, my man. But we'll <laughs> we'll have uh, we'll have uh, links to you and and uh, and uh, where to find you and all that good stuff. Um, is there a hot market that you're looking for before we go? Is there is there a place that you you know? Here's the you know we got listeners across the country. So is there a, is there a spot that you're looking for? Gosh, <clears throat> not really. We have over five hundred territories available in the U.S. Okay. today we're in
0: 57 markets in 17 states there is no state or even city even close to saturated so perfect and with a growing senior population we've yep. got decades of growth so uh we would welcome interest anywhere right
1: on well hopefully hopefully uh we'll we'll find you one or ten from from this <laughs> podcast thanks my man appreciate the time thanks for having me ed
0: This was another episode of the Defenders
1: of Business Value
0: podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts and free tools to
1: start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.